So I have a question I want to ask you all this morning as we start. That question is this. What is your thorn in life? What is your thorn? We're going to get a little bit better idea of what thorns are in our life. And hopefully by the end of the day or the end of this time, we will have a better understanding of how to look at the thorns in our life. Okay, A, a different way of possibly asking that is what is the thing or maybe things in your life that makes you completely and utterly dependent on God? What is that thing? Or what, is, what are those things? And again, I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that by the end of our service today, we're going we're gonna to have a different perspective and a different outlook on what those things are in our life. We're going we're gonna to understand the thorns in our life a little bit better. And it's so important to do that. It's so important that we understand these thorns in our lives. So for the next 20 minutes or so, that's what we're going to be talking about. And what I want to do is I want to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in Paul and his example of the thorn in his life and see how we can relate him to us and his story and his struggle with, with our own, okay? So let's look, let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but before we get to the scripture, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit. And as Paul is preaching to the Corinthians, what he's doing in this moment is he's kind of going up against these, these super apostles, so to speak, who love to brag on themselves, who love to boast on themselves and give their credentials and kind of speak out their resume all over the place. Here's what I've done. Here's what I can do. Here's what people have seen and blah, 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 blah. And as they do this, the Corinthians are kind of saying, hey, this, these, these super apostles are kind of awesome. What is this guy Paul offering? And what is interesting is the Corinthians have already seen Paul, right? They, they know what Paul has done, but in an, in an effort to hear from him, he's kind of saying, okay, you want to play this boasting game? You want to play this bragging game? We can do that. And I'm going to share with you the things that I've done. And he does a lot of that in chapter 11, which we'll read in a little bit. But right here is where he kind of changes gears, so to speak. Okay, and there's an interesting turn here as he kind of combats these super apostles. And we're going to pick it up in verse 6. And it says, starting in verse 6 of, six of 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. So what he's saying here is, look, I can, I can boast, I can brag, I can do all those things. And you know what? If I did, I wouldn't be a fool. I wouldn't be an idiot because I would actually be telling you the truth because I've done some pretty awesome things. Some pretty amazing things have happened through me. He says, but I refrain. I'm not going to do that. And the reason is, is so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Paul begins this chapter by, by explaining this revelation that he had where he went, goes up to heaven. And it's, it's one of these things where... Picture modern day now, like if someone had this revelation or this dream or this vision, they would write a book about it, they'd be going on talk shows, and their name would just be all over the place, right? Paul's, he has one of these. He's saying, look, I could, I, I could stand on that, all right? I could boast in that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to refrain because I don't want anyone to think more of me than is warranted. So before we go any further this morning talking about the thorns in our life, we need to understand this principle that Paul begins with. And that it is so important that we grasp it. And the point is this. This whole story is not about me. Okay? My life is not about me. And until we can grasp that truth, the thorns in our life are going to dig and dig and dig and torment us like crazy. 
But when we can come to the point where we understand fully that this life that we live is not about me, then we can deal with it. But so often we make this whole thing all about ourselves and this thorn that we deal with in our life torments us over and over and we wonder why. And it's because we're making it about ourselves. And so Paul, he kind of prefaces this whole thing as saying, look, I could do all this stuff, but I'm not going to because I don't want people to think this story is about me. I want to point people to the, who the story is about. All right, I want to tell the story. I don't want to be the story. I want to tell it because the story's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so what I want to do is make sure that you're not, leave, you're not leaving this place thinking and talking about Paul. You're talking about Jesus because the story's not about me. I'm just the one telling the story about who it is about. Jesus is the subject. In your life, Jesus is the subject. But what's incredible, as we make Jesus the subject, he says, awesome, come along with me and be a part of this story. As we understand that our life is not about us, that's when we begin living. That's when the joy comes. That's when the hope comes. That's when the laughter comes and the serving comes. And all the awesome stuff comes when we finally get to the place where it's not about us. Amen. That's what Paul begins with. It goes on to say, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That's a real fun scripture, right? <laughs> You read that and that's like, lick the finger, turn the page, just pretend like you didn't read that one, all right? We don't want to talk about a, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, having a thorn in his side that was a messenger of Satan that was there to torment him. Yikes. We don't want to hear that. We just want to skip over to all the good stuff, right? But listen to the language that Paul uses here. First, he gives the reason. In order to keep me from being conceited. Translation, in order for me to not be the subject of the story. God gave me this. That word given connotes that it was like a gift. All right? He doesn't say that he was cursed with it. He doesn't say that he's being punished by it or being tested by this thorn. He's saying he was given this thorn. That is then a messenger of Satan used to torment him but he was given it. And you know, there's all sorts of debates and theories and ideas on what this thorn was for Paul. I mean, great noted theologians have said, you know, it's this or that or the other. It, the point is we don't know, and, and there's a reason for that. The reason is that the thorn is not specific to one thing. The, the thorn is whatever it is for all of us in our life. The thorn can be something totally different for this person than it is for that person. So there's no specific, you know, idea of what this thorn is. Because a thorn can be many different things for all of us. And what we need to do is we need to understand what that thorn is. And here's why. Because as he has this thorn that's tormenting him, it goes on to say in verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times Paul doesn't just kind of ask ho-humly, says that he pleaded with God. And I believe that Paul, when he says that he pleaded, he pleaded. Paul knew how to pray. 
And so when I see Paul in this moment pleading to God, I see a man on his hands and knees crying, snot coming out of his nose, sweating, shaking. Everything he has in him, he is pleading to God, take this from me, take this from me. Three times it says he does this. I wonder how much we can relate to Paul in this moment. And don't raise your hand, but, but ask yourself, have you been in that situation where you've given everything that you have to this thorn? You're pleading, God, please take it away from me. Take it away from me. And there's nothing. The thorn's still there. Here's God's answer, and this really sets the stage for everything that we're talking about this morning. In verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is God's answer. And listen, in church, on a Sunday morning, after just having worshiped, we're in the Word together, we hear those words and we say, Amen. My grace is sufficient. Yes. But during the week, when we're on our hands and knees and we're pleading, if we're being honest with ourselves and with each other, we ain't trying to hear that. I'm not trying to hear my grace is sufficient for you. I want to hear, I hear you. I'm taking the thorn away. That's what I want to hear. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's what I want to hear. I want to hear God say, I hear you. Let me answer that prayer the way that you want me to answer it, by getting rid of this thorn. There's that song, I think it's, I don't know who it's by, some country song that says, I thank God for unanswered prayers, you know. And, you know, the message behind that song is pretty cool, but really, it's not true. God answers every single prayer that we pray to him. It's not necessarily in the way that we want. It's really in two ways. The first is, he takes the thorn, right? The other way is, says, I'm going to give you strength to get, endure the thorn. And that's what he is saying to Paul right here. He says, no, no, no. My, my will and my purpose is for you to have this thorn, but my grace is sufficient for you. And then he goes on to say, my power is made perfect in your weakness. So really, the grace that is sufficient is God's power. The two are synonyms for one another. If we were, if, you know, we look at grace as this thing that's like, uh, okay, but if we replace it with power, suddenly becomes a little bit stronger. But that's what grace is. It's the power of God in us to do the things that he's called us to do, to endure the things that he's called us to endure. I think a couple weeks ago, Gabe Yost was preaching and he said that the world doesn't need to see all of our successes. He doesn't need to see more successes. The world needs to see us endure the thorn and rely on the Lord. That's what, that's what the world needs. And what God is saying to Paul here and what he's saying to all of us is my grace is sufficient. So as you sit there this morning pondering why as you plead for God to take this thorn away from you, what you need to hear is his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. And if we break down those six words, it says this, my, that's what it starts with. My grace is what God's saying. Not the kind of grace that we have. Not the grace that is finite, that has a limit, that says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little space here, but strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
right? Our grace is limited. It's very, very limited. We give people a nice little leash, but after that, that's it, and we cut them off. And so as we look at God's grace, we make the mistake of thinking it's like our grace. But he doesn't say, your grace is sufficient for you. He says, my grace, my grace and my power. We can stand under the waterfall of God's grace all the time because the second word that he says, or my grace, the third word is, is sufficient. Not my grace was sufficient or not my grace will be sufficient, but in the moment that you are in right now, it is sufficient. And in five minutes, when you start to panic again, my grace is sufficient then. And tomorrow, in the next day, when the thorn is grinding in your side, my grace is sufficient. It's always there. I read a commentary that said it's like when we, when we think that it runs out, it's like this little, the tiniest fish in the ocean thinking it can drink the ocean dry. That's what, that's what it's like when we think that there's not enough grace to get through this thorn that we have in our life. God's saying, do you hear my words? It's sufficient. It's enough. It is enough. There's nothing else that you need to do. There's nothing else that you need to concern yourself with. The answer is grace. The answer is grace. And that might be the absolute most favorite thing I love about Beaches Chapel is we stand on God's grace. And never once do we ever believe that it is up to us. We are a room full of people that need Jesus all the time. And we profess it. We're like Paul. We boast in our weaknesses. And then he says, my grace is sufficient. Those last two words are so important. For you. Not for the person next to you. Not for the person that you read about that did all this and that and the other. His grace is sufficient for you. Right where you are at this morning, please hear those words. Whatever you are struggling in, whatever you are worrying over, whatever that thorn is in your side that you've pleaded over and you just want to go away, God's grace is sufficient. The testimony of endurance is a powerful testimony. We want it to go away. But if we can endure, we can point to Jesus. That is a powerful story. That is a powerful story. It goes on to say, as we just mentioned, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. Not my own but Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And isn't that what we want in our lives? Don't we want Christ's power in us? That's what we're after, right? Then we need to begin to boast in our weaknesses and, and lean on God. Listen, there's this, there's this thought that is so counter to the Bible that, it, that Christian maturity is getting to this point that we don't need to be dependent on God anymore. That, that, that if I can just get to this place, then I won't need him as much and that that's what he's after. That if I can just accomplish this, you know, if I can, if I can get to this next plateau, then I won't need God as much in this area of my life. It's like, are you kidding the, the mark of a mature Christian is saying that I got to be dependent on God in every second of every day about everything. Not that I need him less, but I need him more. But we, we think that sometimes. 
Like, God, I'm sorry, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying to need you less here. Saying, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I want you to be dependent on me in every aspect of your life. Why? So that when people come and ask, you're boasting in your weaknesses and bragging on him. This story's not about us. So why are we trying to get to a place where we don't need God as much? He's the story. He's the subject. Don't, don't fool yourself to think that that's what this is all about. That it's about new plateaus where you need God less and less. It's the complete opposite. If you have these people in your life, the ones that you just look up to that are these like, people you admire in their walk with the Lord, those people are the ones that lean on God the most. Those are the ones that lean on God the most, that pray about everything because they understand that it's about dependence in Him that gets us through. It's very interesting. You know, we, we, we talk about not loving the verse, grace is sufficient for you when we're in those hard moments. But what we do love is a more noted verse, Philippians 4.13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? We love that verse. That's a powerful verse, right? But here's the thing. Paul wrote that verse. Okay? And what makes the, the strength of Jesus in him? The weakness. All right. So we're talking about being, we do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if we want Christ's strength, we have to be weak and dependent on God. See how those two work? They're not independent of each other. They're the same. So if we're talking about wanting Christ's strength in us, we need to boast in our weakness and depend on God all the more. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, when we aren't dependent on God in everything, not only do we make us the story, but here's the real sad part. We make the thorn the story. The thorn becomes the story of our life. As people who love and walk with Jesus, we make the thorn the story. How do you know if that's you? Listen to what comes out of your mouth. Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so if you're always talking about the thorn, the thorn's the story. But God never intended the thorn to be the story. The thorn is put there so that he can be the story, so that we can lean on him, we can boast in him. But please, don't make the thorn the story. The things that the devil tries to use to destroy us, to torment us, are the very things that God used to, to exalt him. He uses those things for good. So really, check yourself on that. James, check yourself on that. Don't make the thorn the story. We need to continually, continually, continually be dependent on the Lord. And I'm going to have the band come on up. And what I want to do is I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24. These are the things that Paul said about his, what, what he could boast in. Starting in verse 24, it says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That's dependence on God. We have got to change our vocabulary, church. We have got to change our vocabulary. We have got to change our perspective. These things that you may have been pleading about over and over to God, God may say, no, this is for you. Glorify me. Why? Because my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Three times, Paul pleaded. Three times. There's someone else in the Bible that pleaded three times. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus, about to be arrested, about to fulfill his purpose with a thorn that was never meant to be taken away, says, starting in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42, he says, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And lastly, in verse 44, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Jesus pleaded three times before Paul ever did. Jesus' thorn was the most brutal, embarrassing death on a cross so that we could stand under the waterfall of God's grace. And what a shame it would be if we lived out this walk with the Lord thinking that it wasn't enough. God saw Jesus through the most incredible thorn there ever was, dying a death that did not belong to him. And in that moment, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, my son. And he's saying the same thing to you this morning. So many times we ask God, God, why are you doing this to me? Instead of asking God, what are you doing through me? When that's the question we should be asking. Jesus paved a way for us to stand under the waterfall of grace so that he could be the story in our lives, not ourselves and certainly not the thorn. When we start giving the thorn the story, we're, we're handing over the victory of Jesus in our lives. We're giving the enemy the spotlight. I don't know about you all, I don't wanna give the enemy this, any spotlight whatsoever. I want him to be under our foot. All right, we speak victory. So let's stand up this morning and as I pray, we're gonna sing over this song again. And if this morning you are in a place where you've been pleading about a thorn in your life, we wanna pray for you. We wanna believe for you that God's grace is sufficient, that it is enough right now, it is enough tomorrow, and it will be enough for the rest of our lives. No more walking in defeat, no more giving the thorn the story. It's about Jesus in our lives. And let me say this morning too, if you are in here and you have never accepted Jesus in your life, this morning's the time. This is the time to receive his grace for your life.
There's nothing that you have done or will do that can undo the thorn that Jesus paid for us. So receive his grace this morning. Let your sins be wiped away. Let the grace pour down on you and be made new. That's for all of us in here. So as I pray, pastors and elders, please come on up. Jesus, 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 you are a great God. Thank you for the price that you paid, for the thorn that you endured so that we could experience your grace. God, we love you and we thank you that your grace is sufficient. Forgive us, Lord, for ever thinking otherwise. Forgive us for making the thorn the story, for being murmurers and complainers and not saying, I will boast in how you see me through. I will glorify and exalt you because of how you've seen me through this circumstance. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. We give, it, we, we give our efforts, we give our energy that we've been putting into it because we haven't believed your grace is enough. God, we lay those things at your feet and we receive your grace this morning. We receive it this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen.